Hi guys, this week it's another shorter episode, a la Trainwreck from a few weeks ago, um, and we're going to include this out of sequence. Um, as we explained last time we did this, um, we want to use small batch type episodes to talk about more recent releases, um, so while conventional podcasts might be for less current films, although we did make an exception with The Martian, these small batch um, episodes are going to be focused on uh, more recent films. Um, so although we'll be returning with Zombie next week, uh, Rob, what are we going to spend 10 minutes or so talking about now? We're going to talk about the very recent release, the, I believe it's the 24th Bond film, Spectre. Directed by Sam Mendes, uh, as the last two have been. Uh, starring Daniel Craig. Uh, you've got returning characters in R- R- uh, Ralph Fiennes, in Ben Whishaw and Naomi Harris. Um, and you've got brand new characters coming in with Christopher Waltz playing Oberhauser. I'm going to say it's wrong, but Leia Sedu as Madeline Swan, Monica Belushi. And essentially, it's picking up where some of the previous films left off with Bond investigating this kind of, shall we say, cabal of villains um, and sort of international ring of of criminals that he's, he discovered in Cosmosolus. Right. And that's essentially where we're going to sort of leave it. I'm sure we may hit spoiler territory later on the film, in the, in the podcast. Uh, but Sam, what do you think of it? Yes, um, I think... it. By now, people tend to listen if they have seen the film, if it's a, it's a recent film that they do want to go and see. Um, so I'm happy to tread into spoiler territory a bit in the next 10 minutes. Um, I... Hmm, yes, when when I spoke, spoke to Rob about this immediately afterwards, um, I said there were bits that I definitely enjoyed. Um, and there are other bits that I have huge reservations about. Um, I greatly enjoyed some of the action sequences. Um, I did feel, though, that it was... it At times, it was a bit like it was a TV series. Um, it was a bit like there would be a set piece every half an hour or so, like you might have in a TV series, and they would jam together with a sort of loosely binding narrative not necessarily a, a conventional filmic arc um i so, so yeah some of the, some of the set pieces i did like although the um first set piece in mexico i was not such a fan of um the ending ending of the set piece in particular i felt the the green screen at the end of that was it just felt a bit wrong to me Although um, I did have it pointed out to me that it was technically brilliant leading up to that. It was one mm. beautiful long shot. That that was that was really well done. Um, I suppose my main problem, it comes with um, one of the principal narrative threads, which involves a, a new wave of intelligence. Um, and it's led by C, played by the brilliant... I, absolutely love him Andrew Scott amazing actor um, which is an aggressive corporatized form of surveillance that essentially follows contemporary centre right ideas um, it follows those ideas, their logical conclusions so Andrew Scott is 
is sort of David Cameron with a greater range of facial expression. He has several speeches where he will he will say things about um, it, in democracy not being important when you come to think of of someone's safety, and it's the sort of thing you might hear in the mouth of a modern day Tory politician. Um, and then the trouble is that what's set up in opposition to this is a bit of a dinosaur-like double O section. Um, it, it felt at times like it was a bit of a 1970s version of Bond. Um, you had a male M. I mean, nothing anything away from Ralph Fiennes is very good, but it, the fact remains that he he would have been equally good in, in a Roger Moore Bond film. Um, and... It has a sort of flirtatious but essentially redundant money penny who looks good and doesn't do much else. Um, and Ben Whishaw, who I thought was one of the highlights of Spectre, appears to now be forced into a Bernard Cribbins type role. Um, he is just that. Do I mean Bernard Cribbins? Q from. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at one point he was very close to saying, don't touch that 007 um, in one of the labs. So. It, this this would seem to be sort of anti big finance and pro democracy and sticking it to see it it didn't really feel like that it, I felt disappointed that this was the the version the version of reality that we were given in opposition to those those big political ideas so I felt that it was sort of actually politically quite quite depressing deeply depressing and so we had to choose between elitist dizzlingly rich dictatorship and sort of a bumbling, casually racist, misogynistic throwback, which you get with with more traditional Bond films. Um, and and that is my rant about this film. You'll notice, carefully, Lynn, that uh, Sam isn't very good at the shorter podcasts, and that's him <laughs> ranting for six and a half minutes of our ten-minute <laughs> podcast. Yeah, good point. Right, I'll, yeah. I'll, sh- I'll shut up now. Um, <laughs> I, whilst not as flowery language, I would probably echo you. The film's fine, really, and that is me damning it with faint praise. It's fine, you know. It's a Bond film. It's better than Quantum of Solace. It's better than some of the last few uh, Pierce Brosnan films. It's not great. I think that, as Sam says, some of the action scenes are great some of the set pieces are brilliant and i would agree with sam entirely on the first one that technically the opening shot of the film is amazing mm. when they track bond through mexico the day of the dead all up into a room on the roofs it's great but it is let down by a slightly comically and badly done end to that scene i think the problem i i find with this film falls in two camps they're both kind of the same thing one of which is we've seen all this before. We've had Bond trying to prove his worth in the modern day. You know what? What is the worth of 007 or mm. the Bond or 00 um, contingent in the modern day? And we've been through that. We've been through that twice now, and this is the third time in which he's had to defend his his value. And at a certain point, they need to move on from that. Like we accept that Bond is going to exist in this world. No one's looking for realism from Bond film. Yeah, yeah. They need to move on from that and. That also links to this kind of the current mantra amongst almost every film is that they have a shared universe. These film, this film doesn't make any sense unless you've seen the previous ones. I've got no problem with that, but these are Bond films. Like the Bond films have always stood on their own. 
that it didn't, you, get, you, know, you, you can sit down and watch any modern film and not really need much prehistory. It's just a good, fun bomb film. Mm. At this point, I'm trying to think back to a film I saw four years ago that wasn't very good. And I'm like, who was that person? Why were they in the desert? What were they buying? And it's just, they've gone too far. And it's not like a TV show where you can do that week to week. People are watching it week in, week out. We're getting one of these every couple of years. Mm. And you're losing it. And this comes to my third and final point. It's why I kind of didn't like it. There is no threat. Now, with this, with this film particularly, if Bond hadn't acted, if Bond hadn't vanquished the evil um, and, and shut down this global threat network, I have no idea what would have happened. Like, it wasn't like I'm not saying that every film has to, you know, involve nuclear Armageddon around the world. Yes, that that was something that that we talked about coming out of it is. Like, Christopher Waltz was criminally underused. I mean, this is a two-time Oscar winner. And essentially, what he does is shrug his shoulders. Like, when he's asked what he what he's doing, he says, well, I'm just messing with your head. Like, let's be honest, there's nothing behind what I'm doing. Yeah, and it's... it's it, I, I appreciate, you. like, if you look at things like Tomorrow Never Dies, you appreciate that having, like, a global threat every time doesn't always work. But I just... Like, it wasn't like, that I didn't believe the threat... I just didn't know what it was. Hmm. Right, if Bond hadn't gone in there kicking stones over, no one would have died here. Um, it's just like, I'm not quite sure what would, what the point of all of this was. Yes, we've got, you know, there's the, the, the idea that a global terrorist network is seeing all our information, but so? Hmm. Like, not, I mean, not so, but like, what are they getting from that? It's not like that. This is that. This, this feels like phase one of their plan to get this information, and I've got no idea what phase two is. Why do I care? Beyond generally terrorists are bad. Like I'm not sure what the end game for anybody is here, and even the case of Christopher Waltz, who, in absolute surprise to nobody, turns out playing Blofeld, his entire plan is let bad down by the fact that his carefully researched drill thing doesn't work. It all hinges on this one scene where you're going to drill in somebody's head to uh, remove the ability to remember, and it just doesn't work. And that, and that's that, that's it. So that, like that's the whole reason that Bond got it's because the guy who has throughout the entire apparently the back the, the last four films being the architect of everything that's happened to Bond just got this wrong. Mm. It just it just didn't make it. I I I like the set pieces. I love the effects. The 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 scene in which the 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 base blows up is an incredible shot of explosions. Yeah, but it, it's like it's like you were saying. Like the response is so. Yeah, to, to it, lots of this film. I just didn't care, and I didn't. The film. It wasn't like in something like Babadook, where I got why I was supposed to care. Mm. I didn't care, but I understood what they were film was trying to say. Like, if I look at the film as a pure story, I don't get why I care. You know, they've got this. You know, we always know that the girls fall for Bond. That's fine, but this um, the the Doctor like, falls in love with him, and he clearly loves her back. You know, what happened to the Bond from Casino Royale who slept with them and married women who then gets killed? And he's like, meh, that's all right. Mm. Like that was a fresh take on this character like we weren't supposed to like Bond particularly no the the whole of Casino Royale was 
sort of a journey for that bond. He turns from someone you don't like who sleeps with a married woman to actually someone you care about because mm. there is someone at the end that he falls in love with and he genuinely thinks he's giving up his life to to be with her, to, to have this new life with her. And and obviously this film ends with her once again, once again giving up that life. And I'm, I couldn't look out from the end, has he left Dublo? Yeah, I don't know. Has he given up the, the years of Bond to go with a girl who he's known for probably about a week? Um, and I just didn't feel the chemistry between them that would lead. Like in the very first film, him and um, Eva Green, I got that like, from from the first scene where together, you get that chemistry, you get that spark, you see why Bond, who is this man of the world, would give it all up for this girl. Mm. Here, I just didn't get it, and you know, and I just, it, yeah, I think as you say, the response to it was so like it was nice, it was pretty, you know, Mark Blutch is in it, there's explosions. But I just didn't care. There was there was something to say to say something about how clever this film was, and it's not that's not necessarily a good thing. And um, and it felt at times that this this film wanted to remind us how clever it was. Um, but one of the things was the Doctor's name. It's called Madeline Swan. Um, those of you who care anything about Proust, which is a vanishingly small number of people who listen to this podcast, um, will know that um, the first book of um, Proust's phenomenal, huge, modernist novel in six in seven parts was um, was called Swan's Way, and the trigger for a memory of childhood was um, a baking cake, and that cake was a French madeleine. So this this is a figure who is standing for remembrance of a childhood and remembrance of things past. Um, mm. But I just, like you said, I find it, I find myself struggling to, to care about that. that. That is something that I think, oh yeah, that's a clever thing you've done there. Well done. But yeah, so what? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I yeah. So I, well... Given that we've been expressing disappointment in action films in general, we we ended the last um, small batch episode, although with my ranting, this is no longer a, a short episode. Um, we ended the last one with, with one recommendation. What would be your one recommendation, Rob, for a good spy film to watch? Well, I'm, I, I'm going to stick within the Bond genre, because I think it can be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my recommendation is going to be Goldeneye. Goldeneye is the very first uh, Pierce Brosnan film. I think it is the film that launched him. It's a very different Bond to the Daniel Craig Bond. It was this is pre Austin Powers, so it still has some of the gadgets and the quips and the girls. But I think it's it's well written, it's written, it's well performed throughout, and I think it's a cracking one to go and watch. All right, good. It was Sam. it was the first. I think it was the first Bond film I saw. Because I didn't really know anything about Bond before I saw Goldeneye Cinema. Um, yeah, my my recommendation would be outside the Bond genre, and is a, a film that I think does better the sort of film that this film was trying to be. Maybe is the first Bond film. Um, mm-hmm. I think is brilliant. I know well, it's another week of Matt Damon recommendations, but he is he is very good in the first Bond the first Bourne film and his relationship with the female driver who takes him from 
Switzerland and and over the border is is it it genuinely has that chemistry that you're missing in the relationship between um Daniel Craig and Leah Sadu. Can you tell I've forgotten her name? Um it it'll come to me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so that would be my recommendation for for a really good spy film to go and watch. Fair enough. Well guys, check us out come back next week for our delayed talk on zombie or zombie two. Um but for then to now you can find us on Twitter at Prestige Podcast. Me at Life Academic. And me at Rob Kaiju. See you then. Thank you.